Right. Good morning. If you want to find the main text for today, could you turn to the second uh, letter to the Corinthians and chapter 1. Uh, the, it will, the text will appear on the screen as well when I get to read it. Right, last week Sam introduced us to the series looking at you know, what does it mean to be part of relational mission and referred to the book which Mike Betts has written called Relational Mission, A Way of Life. So we've taken sort of the tagline from that as the title of our series, A Way of Life. Uh, if you haven't already had a copy for your family, do have a word with Sam. I think there might be a few left. And last week, uh, Sam then went on to start talking about prayer, which is where I'm continuing uh, today. And a lot of what I'm going to say links into uh, chapter 4 in this book called The Prayers of Many. But uh, it, it's not the only... Uh, bit I'm going to be speaking from, but uh, so if you haven't already read that chapter, can I encourage you to read it uh, later this week? Right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Four, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we shall share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our, beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. I'm not sure if I've actually heard that many sermons on this passage. It's not necessarily the most encouraging passage to read, and in a sense you have to sort of think clearly as you read through it to get Paul's theme. But one thing which struck me on reading it is that Paul seems to be very clear here that when we pray it does not prevent affliction. 
in the sense that we can pray and Paul we know prayed and still go through affliction we can still as Paul did and says here we can still be in situations which you wonder whether you're going to actually survive now I don't think many of us have probably got to that situation some of us will have been in those situations at times so if we are praying it doesn't mean that therefore because we pray we are going to have a life with no difficulties but what Paul does say is that when we go through difficulties we receive comfort through Jesus Christ our Heavenly Father sends us comfort and when he gives us comfort that then enables us to give comfort to others so when we go through difficulties God is actually working in us to enable us to then serve other people so we don't need to be overly worried when difficulty comes none of us like difficulty all of us want it to finish as soon as possible if not earlier but if it doesn't finish immediately if it doesn't finish quickly it doesn't mean that God has abandoned us it doesn't mean that therefore in that sense we give up praying through the situation last week Sam mentioned George Muller who was a German missionary to England and the fact that he prayed for five people to get saved and 50 years later when he died one of them still hadn't been saved you know and one of the other ones took an awful long time but the thing George Muller said about himself when he commented on this after about 30 years in a sermon and I think at that point three of them had been saved was in a sense he was known as a person who prayed and saw answers to his prayers but the interesting thing is the orphanages he set up and which many of these answers to prayers came in I think Sam mentioned the one where he once at breakfast time prayed giving thanks for the food when there was no food and then the there's a knock on the door and there was a baker there who said that God had woke him up two hours earlier than normal so seeing bakers I presume normally get up pretty early that must have been uh, very early in the morning and told him to make an extra batch of bread to take to the orphanage and then a milk cart had broken down and outside and because the milk was going to go off the milkman donated the milk to the orphanage as well but he didn't actually set up the orphanage to help children it did that he set up the orphanage to prove that God was trustworthy 
And if you relied on God and just through praying to God, he would provide all that was needed. Because he wanted to show in a time of doubt as to the reality of the existence of God, in a time of doubt in terms of the reality of miracles, that God was fully trustworthy. And he knew that. And they had times like that when it was literally almost hand-to-mouth being able to feed the children and provide for them. And they had other times when they went for a few years with plenty of money coming in and there's always enough without having, in a sense, to go in for desperate prayers. But I think we, we have this irony, actually, in a sense, that we almost need sometimes to be in a desperate situation to actually get round to praying. You know, when we've had people in the church who've been seriously ill and we've prayed, you know, you come in, you know, there's an, you get far more people come to the prayer meetings because we know there's an issue here. Sometimes people have been healed, sometimes they haven't. But there's that desperation of coming and praying. But when we don't have that desperation, sometimes it's harder to actually feel motivated to come and pray. So what are some of the issues which actually get in the way of us praying? The main reason I read this passage is not actually for the reason I've just, what I've just talked about but it is the, the last bit is the verse which Mike Betts found motivated him to introduce the, the idea of in the enough half nights of prayer which I'm going to come on and talk about but I think it's interesting that Paul asks the Corinthians to pray for him in verse 11 here. Because if we know anything about the Corinthian church, is they had an awful lot of things which were not right about them. You know, Paul's pretty well his two longest letters dealing with issues are to the Corinthians. And we've got two letters. You know, one letter wasn't enough to get all their problems sorted out. <coughs> but even though it was a church with a lot of problems a lot of things they didn't get right he recognises that they are part of God's family they're part of the family he belongs to and he wants them to pray for him so I think the first thing this teaches us is that we don't have to get to any particular standard in our Christian life before we can pray. So we shouldn't be thinking, oh, I'm not as good as so-and-so in my life, therefore I won't go to the prayer meeting to pray because I'm not up to the right standard yet. There is no minimum standard you need to, to have reached before you can pray. Now, all of us can pray, and Paul here is desiring 
many people to pray. In fact, he's saying, you know, the f first thing he says to them, really, is you must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So before Paul even starts trying to sort out any of the issues which the Corinthian church has, he's saying, I need you praying for me so that I can do the work God's got for me. So therefore, many people then will get saved and will give glory to God because you have prayed. So I think the other thing issue we can have sometimes with prayer is that we can't always see the result. Sometimes we will pray and we will never know what the result is. Sometimes we will pray and we will think, oh, I'm not really sure that was a, that very effective a prayer. You know, uh, it, it's been a bit of a waste of the time really. I could have really spent my time doing something else. Uh, I know I've shared this before, but sometimes, you know, if I'm praying for people at the front, I hear something specific from God to pray for them. And usually they then respond. Other times, I don't. Now, we want God to speak to us through his Holy Spirit. Now, because I'm at the front, I'm stuck, I've got to pray for that person anyway. <laughs> So I pray my best prayer. You know, and there have been times when I go off thinking, oh, well, that was a bit of a pathetic prayer. You know, couldn't you find anything better to say? But then, at least one of these occasions, somebody's come back to me and said, that was just what I needed to hear at that time. It is good to hear specific things for people where you can say, yeah, this is what God's saying for you. There are other times when people just need to hear that God loves them. And, you know, you're thinking, well, yeah, anyone could pray that prayer. True. Anyone could. But that is what the person needed to hear at that time. And God has, if you like, in that sense, trusted us to pray. And he will use what is prayed. Sam mentioned for the ladies' meeting, Angela Kim is speaking. I think, uh, John, you first met Angela. Was it in the late 80s? Yeah. yeah, when John went to South Africa with a New Frontiers team, and he met Angela Kim there. Lynn and I met her in South Africa when we went on a New Frontiers team in 2004. And she was teaching us about, you know, you go, when you go and visit people, how do you pray for them, and so on. And... She said, the story I remember most out of them was, this was in sort of the last years of the apartheid period, when you used to get sort of barriers of flaming tyres across some of the townships to stop the police getting in. And she was doing evangelistic work in one of these townships, and she was going to go and visit somebody. And when she visited this lady... She had no, they had no food in the house. And she hadn't, Angela hadn't got any money with her to give her some money to go and buy some food. 
So, and she just, well, what do I do? So she just prayed, you know, just pray, Lord, that you will provide for this family's needs and provide the food they need. And then went away feeling very useless and, uh, you know, well, what good is a prayer like that? Went back the next week expecting to get an earful from this person. And as she went to this house, the person came running down out and said, it was just really good, that prayer you prayed. And she thought, really? And said, well, what had happened after she had left, one of these tyre barriers had been set up down the road. There was a bread delivery lorry coming down the road. Because of the barrier, it couldn't get through to do its delivery. So the driver just gave out all the bread to the people along that road. So it didn't just feed that family, it fed the whole road. So the thing is, in that case, she knew the result. You could have a situation where she didn't know what was the answer to prayer. So what we... It's the difficult thing, in a sense, is having the confidence to pray into situations whether we hear the result or not. Because actually, the confidence is not in hearing what an answer to the prayer, although it, do, it does us good to hear an answer to prayer. What matters is our trust in the person we're praying to, not in actually seeing anything specific happen. Now, you know, we do want to see things happen, but sometimes when we're praying, we're not going to see the result. Sometimes that result might be a long time away. Sometimes we're praying for one bit of something and then God will use either somebody meeting somebody else or somebody else praying for the next bit and it might build up over several different people praying in different situations. So therefore, we need the confidence in our God to go and pray whether we think what we're praying is going to be effective or not. We find it a lot easier to pray when we are convinced it's going to be effective, but sometimes we need that it's like willpower to keep praying whether we get, think we're going to see a result or not. I was going to do a little survey now, but I don't think it's actually appropriate. I was going to ask people to actually put up a hand as to say whether they thought they were effective at praying, sort of middling or not very good at praying. But I think actually probably what's best is to go straight to the scriptures on that one, which is Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So, we've got a bit of encouragement here. The Bible tells us we don't know how to pray. So, if you think you don't know how to pray, you are actually agreeing with the Bible. So, we don't 
in terms of coming to pray, we don't need, again, we don't need to feel that we've got to be all sorted on it before we start praying. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us. Now, sometimes we can pray and get our words mangled, but the Holy Spirit can knows what's on our heart. That prayer goes forward. Sometimes we don't know what to pray and we get the words. Sometimes in our prayers we just sigh. You know, I don't know what to pray here. You know, fine. If that's all we can do in a context, that's what we do. But can I encourage us all, whatever we do, let's pray. Now, I'm going to have to... I haven't even got into my notes yet, really. Right, get rid of most of that. Actually, with my preparation, most of my preparation was, no, don't want to do that, no, that's no good. Because the, the thing is, what I didn't want to do is something like this, particularly in talking about praying corporately, is it can sound like a nag. You know, we don't get enough people to the prayer meeting, you're not doing your job properly, come along to the prayer meeting. And that's what I didn't want it to be. Because, now... In his book, uh, Mike Betts says that 90% of the New Testament teaching on prayer is in terms of prayer as a group in a community rather than individually. I did a quick scan through the Acts, and I, in, in the Acts I could find, I think, four cases where you've got, if you like, the church meeting together to pray, and about four cases where it's referring to individuals praying and then God doing things. The point is, going into our room on our own to pray is biblical, because Jesus told us to do it, and we should do it. But also praying together as a group is important as well. And therefore, there's something about praying together which is more than, if you like, the parts of individuals praying. Uh, Mike talks a bit about that in his book, so I won't uh, go in further on that bit. But you know, within the church at the moment, you know, we, as happened this week, usually the third week, but not always, we have a church prayer meeting so that we can come together as a church to pray. During the rest of the month, there are other opportunities to pray. It used to be 7 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, but... Uh, that got down to about the faithful three. Uh, so over the summer, we did a bit of a trial of different times. So if you look at the calendar, you'll now see that we have prayer meetings, I think some weeks at two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, uh, some weeks at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. Because those are the times we tried in August and we had more people coming. So we're going to uh, stick with those and see how that goes. Now, obviously, not everybody can make every time. So we're trying uh, different times. If there's a time we're not trying, which would work for you, do have a word with Sam and myself. We might try that out as well. Because we want to give opportunities for people to meet together to pray. But tying up from this verse in uh, 2 Corinthians, where Paul asks that we ask 
that you must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted through the prayers of many. What Mike Betts felt very strongly is that we need to group, meet together to pray so that the many come to pray across relational mission. So the idea of the enough half nights of prayer is for people within the relational mission churches to meet at various hubs around the country and in other countries as well to pray at the same time. Now it varies slightly. Uh, some of the groups meet from about 7 o'clock in the evening to uh, midnight, others from about 6 to 11. The idea being that there's about an hour of having some food together and fellowship together and then times of worship and prayer. I'll pass out at the end, but again, rather than go through all the detail, there's sort of five areas which we try to cover in each inner half night of prayer. Now when they had the first one two years ago, I think Mike was hoping we might get a thousand people across the different churches meeting to pray. In fact, uh, the first one had 2,000. I think all the other ones since have had about 2,000 as well. So the numbers haven't actually grown within the relational mission sphere. But since it started with the last one, uh, we've also had uh, uh, churches from Edward Berea's sphere in East Africa have joined in in praying at the same time. And also another group of churches in South Wales, Victory Church, have joined in. So it seems to be uh, a spreading. But the idea is to meet together, to pray for the same themes across the different churches. So there's a unity in what we're praying for, although there's space for a bit of variety, if you like, in terms of local elements uh, related to that and then the idea is, is to keep going on with this until we see breakthrough particularly in our country a, bu a book which influenced them is this one by Jonathan Edwards A Call to United Extraordinary Prayer which dates back to I think about the 1740s but what Jonathan did was to try and get churches to gain, to pray together at the same time, consistently. And with the initial bit he did, he said, right, let us pray for seven years, because there's things which God has promised in his word which we haven't seen happen yet. And then if nothing happens within seven years, we'll keep praying until we see something happens. Because again, something which Sam talked about last week is persistence in prayer of keep, we keep praying whether we see results or not and then we'll keep on praying because our country and the church in this country is in a situation where it needs God to break in and so what we need to be doing is praying for God to break in in this country for God to break in across the world now one of the areas we look at is praying uh, in other parts of the world. I think with the one coming up in November, we're going to be praying particularly for, in the context of Syria and the civil war and refugees from that. So there will be things coming in. Also, one thing we usually do is fill out prayer cards for various people. This one is uh, for Edward and Frieda 
brewery in Kenya to encourage some of their church planters. If you want some of the older cards, there's still some out on the table. You can fill them in with a prayer and send them off. In, I think it's three weeks' time, four weeks' time, whenever it is, when uh, Luke and Anna were talking about church planting, we would use the latest set of cards uh, then and encourage you to fill them in uh, in the meeting at that point. Now, up to now, we've always met with uh, the churches we're in link within a hub uh, with the ones from Maidstone, Medway, uh, Church on the Weald, and sometimes with Tunbridge Wells. And so up to now, when we've had the enough half nights of prayer, we've either gone to uh, Maidstone or Medway for that. Uh, this time round, coming in November, Friday 5th of November, uh, that group is going to, pun, is going to be... Uh, pun? Fourth, sorry, not the fifth, right. Whichever Friday is the first one in November, we'll do fine. Uh, the, uh, that grouping is going to have to be meeting at Tunbridge Wells, which is a bit of a distance to get to from here. So what we've decided, Sam and I have decided, is for the next one we'll join with the churches in Canterbury. So we'll be joining with the uh, City Church Canterbury, uh, with Beacon Church from Hun Bay, and the Ramsgate Church as well. So we'll be joining with those churches. And I think they tend to start about an hour early, so I think they tend to be 6 to 11. But we'll get the details to you in plenty of uh, time. But can I encourage as many people as possible to get to that? You always find that as you go through the evening, the number of people there drops off. Because different people have got different things the next day, or distant distances to travel and therefore need to go at different times. That's understood. So don't feel embarrassed if you think, oh, if I come, I can't stay to 11 o'clock or I can't stay to midnight. Uh, I think there was one of the ones at Maidstone where I think Lynn and I were the only ones from our church still there at midnight. But that's what happens sometimes. Not a problem. It's better to be there for some of the time than not there at all. So... Can I really encourage you, because it's something which Mike has called us to as our apostolic leader, and it's something which I think we're starting to see some of the fruits of, of this, the prayer over the last two years, but it's something we're going to need to continue praying into, praying that God will break in. Because there's two bits really behind enough. One is, our God is enough for the needs of the world. And the second is, we've had enough of all the difficulties and harm we see round about us. So we need to go to the one who is enough to pray for the things which there's been enough of to come to an end, if that makes sense. Right, could the uh, band come back up? So, as we... These could be passed out. As I say, it gives the, the sheets I'm just passing back will give you just an outline of the kinds of things which we do in enough half night of prayer. What we've done with the ones uh, so f which we've been to so far is we've developed it so that with each of the areas we do a sort of short bit at the beginning and a longer bit at the end. So if you can't stay to the end, at least you get a chance to pray across all the areas. I'm not sure quite how Canterbury do it, so they might uh, do it differently. But what we 
want to do, see is God breaking in to the world because we know there's so much where there is need around us. Okay. Thank you.